Welcome to TLC for the Soul podcast, where soul meets spirit. You have entered into sacred space. I'm your host, Tammy Lynn Chambers, and I'm here to help you shine. Now let's get going on this podcast journey. Hello, everyone. Hello, and welcome to the joy-filled month of December. I'd like to talk for a few minutes about our special offers. You've heard me mention this first one before, if you've been a regular listener to the podcast. But if you're new here, I invite you over to join me on Scribed. It's like a Netflix for books and audiobooks. And um, I, there's just a vast, vast array of books out there. And you can definitely find um, what you are wanting to read or listen to. At least I have. And all of my books as well are on Scribed. So not on the audiobook yet. Because for some reason, well, you know the quality of my audios is not studio quality. So I think to have an audiobook out there, it has to be like studio quality. <clears throat> so one day we'll have audiobooks out there. I'll get myself or somebody in the studio to record those. But the reason I always um, like to talk about Scribed is because it, when you use the link that I've provided in the show notes or in the video description for the free trial, you get two free months of Scribed. And when you sign up for the free trial, then I get one free month added to my membership. So I really love that reciprocity. And um, I think it's better than a referral fee or whatever because I really enjoy my Scribed membership. Our other offer for December is our December book of the month, which is Kyanite Fairy Wing, The Missing Shadow Books. And that's what I'm going to be talking about next here on the podcast is Kyanite. So um, we'll be doing the backstory and um, character intro and reading a few uh, segments out of the book. And I invite you to read Kyanite Fairy Wing. Um, If you like the ebook format, then it's free wherever ebooks are distributed, I guess. Apple, Google Books, Barnes and it's not free on Barnes and Nobles. Um, Scribed, it's free. All the other like Kobo and all that, I don't know. Whatever you can find ebooks, it's free except for Barnes and Nobles and Amazon for whatever reason. They they won't let you set the price to free, so it's 99 cents there. And then the paperback is also on sale for 9.99 over on Amazon. So I hope you enjoy these special offers and let's move on to hear more about this month's topic, which is believe and how that relates to the book Kyanite Fairy Wing. Hello everyone. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. It is the, I don't remember what it is. <laughs> it's actually the day before the Sagittarius new moon solar eclipse. I think today is the 13th of December and we are back with 
the next installment of Abigail Smile. So we took a break to do um, some channeling with Princess Diana and to talk about Kyanite Fairy Wing. And um, the last time we left Abigail Smile, we were with Dwight and Melly, who had 12 hours to procure the Handbook de los Santos for Maggie. So if you have not um, been following along, you can catch up with those um, by going back in the podcast a couple of episodes. Um, but all of November is continuing into December, where the story will wrap up here probably in a couple more episodes. And then the show will take a little break for December. So December's story is called Hot Spice Cider. And we are outside today on a very, very foggy morning. So it might sound a little different. I actually feel like I'm on the moors right now. And we're going to just pick up the story where we left off and I think I'm just going to get right into it. So like I said, if you missed um, what's going on in this um, installment because every month is a different story um, but November's is a little bit extra <laughs> extra long story carrying over into December so if you missed November you can go back and catch it here on the podcast um, I do try to do a page a day over on Instagram TLC books um, but I erase or delete each month and start the new month so November's story is gone from there. If you just want to follow me on Instagram, um, my regular account that's not just the story work and I do other things is TLC for the Soul, just like this podcast. So let's go ahead and get into Abigail Smile. This is Hot Spice Cider, continuing with the storyline. We're on chapter 14, 12 hours. Dwight pulled himself up and off the ground. He had felt strangely ill after Maggie had left and he had to sit down and pull himself together. Which is what I'm going to do now as my guides always (laughs) remind me. They're like, Tammy, you're just jumping in again. Um, For those of you that are regular listeners, you know the drill. You can um, choose how you want to listen to the story, what experience you want to have. Um, Do you just want the quote-unquote ASMR um, that's happening within and around me, coming from my voice and from the natural world around? Um, Do you want your guides to step in and show you messages as you're listening to the stories? If so, let's call all of our spirit guides in now and wrapping us in a circle of love and light, light love. Take a deep breath. Just get into that sacred space of receptivity. If you want to just listen to the story for the sake of it being a story, you know, you choose your own listening experience. Um, You know, get yourself a cup of tea or coffee or whatever drink makes you feel festive. Um, We're in a festive month of December. And just choose to receive. 
let's go ahead and continue. So this is coming in right after Dwight and Maggie had met in the moors and Maggie had told Dwight he had 12 hours left to procure the handbook de los Santos or else she was going to know. So he had felt strangely ill after Maggie had left and he had to sit down and pull himself together. She did that to him, made him feel less than, and that always brought up the anxiety about who he was becoming if he stayed in her employment. He didn't like that person one bit. And so he had proposed the plan to her, the one that would allow him and Millie to get out of this place. The Argyle was not a place one wanted to stay at for very long. He looked at his watch and realized he needed to get going. Twelve hours would go by quickly. He had forgotten all about the girls and realized he needed to continue, but at the same time he needed the handbook. He dialed Mellie on his cell and she answered on the first ring. What's up, hun? Mellie said as she maneuvered the jeep through the damp streets towards town. She still had the time she needed to get her plan going, and for some reason she didn't want to tell Dwight. Not just yet. I've got to do something for Maggie, something very important, he said, hoping she would understand. I heard everything she said, not letting on about the pact she had made. I'm on my way now to pick up the Ambertons, and then I have to make a stop, she said, avoiding a huge rut in the road. These roads along the moors are not the best. Meet me at the pub as soon as you can, she said. If I'm not there, just wait for me. My van's had a flat, he said, wondering what she was up to. Just get some help and make sure you meet me there, she said, ending the call before she drove off the road, off the road, off road, <laughs> drove somewhere. Dakar blinked back the dry feeling in his eyes. How did they get here, he thought, as he pulled Abigail close, thanking Polly in his mind for her swift action. What had happened, Abigail said in confusion. What happened? I, I was there waiting for you, and then someone knocked. When I opened the door, everything went blank, she said, rubbing her forehead. Her third eye felt weird, like it had been compromised. We are ve dealing with a very adept spirit, love, he said, pulling her into him. This isn't fair to you. You, you should go home, he said, not knowing what he would do if something ever really happened to her. I love you, darling. Now please pack your bags, he said, holding her. I will not, Abigail said defiantly. And have you out here on your own and me by myself trying to figure it out again? She sounded very determined. Although I did a pretty good job with Mishar, she said, feeling some pride in her actions to capture a villain of the darkness. Well, if you're staying, he said, rubbing her shoulders, then there's one thing you need to hear, he said, pulling her down on the bed. Dakar was all she could say as she melted into him. She always wanted this space and this place with him, and angry or not, he brought out the best in her. Maggie brushed her hair out of her eyes and sat up in the bed she had made for herself in the barn. On nights during her hunts, she never went back inside the main house until dawn. She didn't want anyone to see what she had become. She had been a different person before she had met him and she recalled how he had called her into the forest, how he had beguiled and tricked her into loving him, and how he had betrayed her with this change. And then after he had made her like him, he had left. She couldn't recall what she was like before all this. She wished she could remember, even if for the sake of her sanity, she was becoming more like him with every kill, a soul keeper, the worst of the darkness, and no power she knew of to turn it all around.
She could no longer touch the handbook de los Santos. It opened for the light, and she was far from it. She would curse him if she could remember what he called himself, but he veiled even that from her. So she went on and on each night, becoming more of what she loathed. There had to be a way out of this, she thought, as her mind cleared slightly. Sunlight helped that, but she could barely stand it for longer than a few minutes now. Dakar heard a coyote call from deep in the woods. His contact had arrived. He pulled himself away from Abigail, who had fallen into a deep sleep. <laughs> I'm so sorry, the most loudest, most annoying truck going by. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, it made sure I saw it too. <laughs> it was like red. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, okay. Dakar's contact had arrived into the woods. <laughs> I have to go out, darling, he said, kissing her hand lightly, not wanting to disturb her. If she wanted to stay and work, then it wasn't up to him to stop her. She was her own woman, and he never interfered with free will choice. He dressed quickly as he telepathically informed Polly Willikers and his superiors of where he was going. He dressed warmly and grabbed several of Collie's blueberry scones, making his way out the back door of the Argyle and off the path to the woods. He would avoid Dragor and meet his contact on the far side of the forest. Hopefully this mess would wrap itself up soon. His superiors at the Bringers of the Light had promised him he could take time off for the holidays, and he was definitely going to take them up on that. Chapter 15, How the World Is. As Dakar made his way across the forest, being careful to avoid the areas he had been told by his guides would be inhabited by Dragor, he could feel his energy getting lighter. All this mess with Maggie and the Argyle had been weighing on him and hard, and what with the holidays coming up, he needed to be out of this one and soon. He had no idea when he started that it would be Maggie he was coming up against. She was one of his biggest foes, and it had been hard for him to cloak himself from her. He had felt her energy from the moment they'd arrived. But he had, but he had done his best to lay low. It wasn't in her nature, though, to do the same. And so, as she had wandered out for her nightly rounds, she had felt him right away. But two could play the game of unknowing cohorts, and so she had. Dakar knew it was not the best time to be doing this work. Why had Abigail been allowed by the bringers of the light to attend this one, he wasn't sure. Polly and the rest of the crew would have some explaining to do on that, he thought. It wasn't much further, and he could sense his contact up ahead. He had been very forthright about what he needed, and had asked for one of the best to be the person assigned to this part of the work. He wasn't surprised by who he saw waiting there for him under the large oak. Tambor and Jameson were right on time, and none too soon. He tipped his hat, and she whistled back. As he approached, he was in awe of how this seemingly insignificant young soul could be one of the coven's best operatives. But she was, and he couldn't argue with that. She was excellent at cloaking her true identity from others, and far be it from us here to reveal that to you now. Dakar, always a pleasure, she said, hugging him and planting a sweet kiss on his cheek. Tambor, likewise, he said, feeling better that she was here. They made a good team when the going got rough. Did you bring it, he asked, hoping it was the one he really needed for the task at hand. 
Of course, she said, handing him a small leather case. Everything you need is inside. He could hear the sounds coming from inside the case, and he shook it, lightly calming the creature down. It's okay, buddy, he said, trying to assuage the little fellow. You'll be going to work soon enough. Jameson rose up off Tambor's shoulder and silently surveyed the area around them. At no sign of Dragor, he landed just as quietly back onto Tambor's arm. We aim to please, the young witch said, blowing a kiss at Dakar as she disappeared in a poof of pink smoke. Dakar smiled, reminding himself that in addition to the tongue lashing he would be giving about this matter, he would also be thanking his lucky stars that they thought enough of his duties to make an effort to protect him like this. For in the leather case, the small but very cunning creature waited to be unleashed. And once it was, the Argyle would never be the same again. <clears throat> oh, wow. I forget sometimes what I've written down. I love these chapters. Chapter 16, The Pickup. Melly arrived and parked down the street a few houses away from where she needed to be. She pulled the book and her bag out of the Jeep and checked around. She didn't see anyone, so she figured at least out here she was safe. If Maggie had followed her, she would have known by now. She ducked down inside the warmth of her fall coat and made her way as stealthily as possible to the intended destination. She knocked twice and stood back some so they could see her under the lamplight. The door creeped open and an old, haggard hand motioned her inside. Do you have it? An old, ancient voice asked, still cloaked in the darkness, save for a small fire. Yes, right here, Millie said, holding it out to be examined. No need, the voice said. Place it down right here on the stone, please. Mellie did as she was asked, and now my part, she said, holding out her hand. A small envelope was produced and placed into her warm hand. The cold dampness of the older hand touching hers lightly as the exchange happened. Thank you, she said, turning towards the door. You have saved us yet again. She smiled and pulled the ornate door open. We aim to please, said the haggard voice as it watched her walk back down towards the jeep. Melly got in and revved the engine again. It was a few short blocks to the pub and the girls inside. She was not going to like this part, but she had to do it. Those girls had no need to be at the Argyle. She wanted to send them back home to their parents, but that was not part of the deal. They were to be taken back to the inn and introduced to its proprietress. 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 <laughs> and in due time, the reason they were there would be revealed. She pulled up to the door of the pub. The jeep sputtered to a stop and she banged the door closed as small snowflakes glistened around her. Oh, heck, she said to herself, I love snow, but not now. The door opened and Mrs. O'Malley stepped out. It's about time. What took you folks so long? She was ready two hours ago to call it a night, but one of the twins had woken up scared and needed coddling. She had made them some soup from the dinner rush, and they had eaten heartily, and now couldn't stop talking. It's her, Lily said, looking out the window. We can go now, she said, packing up her things in her old knapsack. She paid special attention to ensure Mr. Pippin, her old gray teddy bear, was inside. She needed him, especially now. Lila stood and brushed herself off. She had cracker crumbs in her hair and shook her head to tossle her beautiful curls as small crumbs hit the floor. There now, she said, smiling happily. That's better than ever. The girls emerged together, dragging their bags behind them out onto the curb. 
Hello, miss, Lila said to Melly. Can we go see the ghost now, please? My name's Lila, and this is my sister, Lily. Lily nodded her head and surveyed the area around the pub. It's not time yet, she thought, reaching into her bag to squeeze Mr. Pippin's paw. The time would come soon enough, though, she sighed. Well, hello, Melly said, immediately warming up to the girls. Let's get you both to the inn. You can nap on the way if you like, she said, buckling them into the back of the jeep. At least the heater was working, she thought, offering the girls a soft blanket. Hang on, loves, we'll be there before you know it, she said, opening the small back of the vehicle to tuck their bags in alongside hers and Dwight's. Yes, all would be fine soon, and she couldn't care one bit to ever seen that darn old Argyle Inn ever again, at least in this lifetime. There is a big, black, noisy truck pulling in now. We've got one more chapter to go. Let's see where this noisy vehicle is going to go. Because if it comes over here, I'm going to have to leave. Now it's leaving. Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> chapter 17. The Goods. The Jeep pulled up to the entrance of the inn, and Melly assisted the twins with their bags. She opened the large front door, and Lily and Lila stood a moment before entering. Feels funny inside, Lily said, smelling the air, like death, she said, wiping her nose with a small lace handkerchief she kept in her coat pocket. Her mother had made it for her, and she didn't go anywhere without it. Well, at least it's warm inside, Lila said, hoping the food was good and her bed was soft. This was no time for anything to go wrong, she thought to herself. Mother had entrusted her on this trip with a very special purpose, and she needed to get her rest in order to be ready. Be ready to be ready, she thought, going over the plan that had been downloaded into her mind while she had slept. Even along the rutted roads of the moors, she had created and contemplated, putting her head up a few times to look out the window in case pixies should make themselves known. But there had been none, and she had been asked to stay focused on the plan that was forming in and around her. She received her downloads that way. Strange wisps of information that shifted around within her consciousness, making her feel dreamy and out of sorts until they settled in. Lily put one foot and then the other over the threshold, holding tight to a small talisman in her pocket. She would need to remain calm and relaxed. She could hear Polly Willikers tell her in her mind, act as if you are a simple little girl who knows nothing of such things. And so that is how she presented herself, as a simple little girl who, unbeknownst to all but her twin, could have little to do with darkness and dark plans. Her age and power belied her, but her time would come and then she would rise. She told herself it was fine to be simple for now. Melly got a cart and used it to pack the bags up the staircase. It was easier this way than lugging them one at a time. She set them down outside room 260 and unlocked the door. The smell of lavender and foreboding escaped as the door opened into the room. Two small twin beds, ornately decorated, and a small fire in the stone fireplace greeted the girls as they stood still catching their breath. A warm hand touched Lila on the back, and she grimaced internally. Putting on her best smile, she turned to greet her. Bowing in a small and perfunctory curtsy, she held out her small but firm hand. No, she would not tremble, she thought, as she took the cold, dark hand of Maggie Chalmers and shook it lightly. It's a pleasure, ma'am, she said with complete authority. My sister and I can't wait to make your acquaintance and monitor these halls, she said, gesturing to Lily, who had gone inside and stood 
staring out the misty window, which looked out over the forest. She turned and smiled simply at the beast she knew to be Maggie Chalmers. As she turned to look back out the window, she heard a small bleeding sound. She looked harder and saw the snout of the creature looking towards the cottage. It could not know what she knew, she thought, purposely clouding her mind from it. And as Maggie Chalmers fought back the urge to grab young Lila by the throat, she smiled lightly, knowing she would have the handbook de los santos soon, and then she wouldn't have to worry about these twins, Dwight, Dakar, or anyone else ever again. Woohoo, it's so good. I <laughs> get all excited when these things happen. So we're going to stop there. It's really awesome. And there were not too many interjections or interruptions save for these two trucks. So this is a message or metaphor for somebody because they were two big diesel pickup trucks. One was red and I know that I know who that one belongs to, a really nice person. Um, that lives around me, but it was the most loud and most annoying truck sound right now. And then as I was reading towards the end, you heard me say, and you probably heard it, like a big black menacing (laughs) pickup truck was just as loud, showed up and kind of drove around and thankfully um, drove off away. So we didn't have to like deal with it towards the remainder of the story. So, travel, what do, what do vehicles travel, loud annoying ones, I'm not sure, maybe they were talking about the Dragor, Did, I don't know if Dragor showed up every time a pickup truck showed up, we have to go back and listen to the story, maybe that was just signifying the creatures, the creatures that were around the Argyle, loud, loud annoying creatures. Anyway, let's see if our guides have anything else they'd like to share with us. And they're saying, nope, that's all from this foggy um, soundscape. Um, I'd like to wish you all a good rest of your week. And tomorrow, if you're listening to this when it comes out, is the solar eclipse. And this is just a very special time. I invite you to just enjoy it and if you're you are feeling like you just need to go within and get off i think that's why this not and get off get off get off social media and get off your phone or your ipad or your electronics i think that's why this is a shorter episode is because we're all being asked to kind of get out in nature get off of ai artificial intelligence and just let these beautiful amazing revelation waves and light codes just surround us because it's going to be so good next year. I just can't wait for 2021. I just know it's going to be so good for so many people. And this is just our final, for those of you that are listening to this and know what I'm talking about, this is just like our final stretch, our final, our final stretch to like all the good happening. I think we just have until like mid-January for some integration time of all of these codes and light waves. And for some of you, things are already starting to shift and take place. Um, Myself, included but I think for many of us the bigger shifts are going to start happening um, after the middle of January so just I hope you have a wonderful rest of your month I'll be back again next week for the rest of Abigail Smile and the Argyle take care This podcast has been sponsored by the Fairies of Chumasha, 
an etheric city in 2025 full of fairies, angel witches, unicorns, and merfolk, a place where magic is very real. The fairies of Chumasha invite you to believe in your own magic, never give up on your dreams, and always strive to be the best that you can be. Don't ever give up on yourself and just simply believe.